1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's pre market prep. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Hope you all had a great weekend. Welcome to pre market prep. Look, we're all back together. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, uh, even Dennis is here this morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's get right to it. We got a lot to get to. Earnings, of course. We are still in earnings season, about 100 and uh five earnings reports today, about 300 tomorrow, <laughs> about 300 on almost 400 on Wednesday, uh 450 or so on Thursday. So it's going to be a big week on the earnings front. We have the very rare Sunday earnings report with Square Uh, which they reported because the uh, news of the big M&A deal broke over the weekend. So we'll talk about Square this morning. We'll talk about the Chinese EV names, Li, Neo, Xpeng, all reporting deliveries for July, all good numbers. GE is over $100. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, It's not what you think. Well, maybe it is what you think if you knew about the reverse split. Anyway, uh, Tim Quast is our guest at 8.35. He joins us every Monday for Market Structure Mondays, and Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors will preview the week in IPOs. At 9 o'clock. Joel, good morning. We missed you. Hope you had fun at the wedding. How are we doing in the markets this morning?
2: Uh, We're doing doing well, well, Spencer. A little echo there. S&P futures are up 21.5 handles at 44.11 and a quarter. Uh, Nice overnight move to the upside. Uh, All-time high, 22.50. That was made on Friday, old time closing high 14 and a quarter. Crude, that's down a buck 08, held 72, but uh, seems running into little problems here at 74. So maybe that's the new trading range. Gold, kind of right where it was when I left, uh, but it's down 720 at 1810. Silver, that's in the red by about a nickel at 25 and a half. Uh, Bitcoin uh, trying to shrug off some taxation worries. Uh, hit the top of the range at 41K, pulling back a little bit this morning, only down $185 at $39,770. And Ethereum, that's up $222. That's going the opposite way. The futures are at $26,14 and a quarter. Now we're hanging at the top of the trading range in Ethereum. So a little bit of uh, diversion in the cryptocurrencies. Uh, triple D. Stop. You know what? This market's stuck. It really Big is. time. It is. And uh, what do we had? We had. We've had eight out of nine up months, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and we're just look at the the chart here. I mean, we're just consolidating near near all time highs, and you know what that means?
3: Tell me what it means. I'm- Ready I don't to break know, out. I mean, the trend. <laughs> Getting ready to break, break out?
2: A, break out to go higher, you know, and move up, consolidation, you're in uptrend, break out of the consolidation. I mean, whatever you want to throw at this market, it doesn't stick. And uh, here we are. I mean, well, we we'll let, we, know, we
3: know what happens. Let's just say even in the event that, you know, Delta starts to spread significantly, which there's a very likelihood that it could, um, you know, obviously Florida record cases, but we know what happens when the market starts to sell off. Who's got her back? The Fed's got her back. I mean, so it's kind of like the market heads the market wins, tails the market wins. People are not scared to buy the dip because they're like, if we get any type of significant pullback, we know, this, uh, we know the Fed has the markets back. And, you know, if, you know, Delta starts to fade off, we're set up for the great reopening trade, right? You know, we know tech works in all environments. So you're in this market where there is fear out there of the variant. There is fear in certain stocks. But for the market overall, there is just no fear. The fear of missing out trumps all. um, Every time we try to sell off just a little bit, the buy the dip mentality, it's just there. It's learned behavior. It has worked, you know, basically since the beginning of time, really, because we know the markets are at all-time highs. So anybody who's bought the dip on SPY has always made money. Now, I'm not saying everything's always going to work. There is periods of time where the market can have, you know, an eight-year period or a 10-year period where it's down. But this, you know, the earnings have been actually really good. The response to them has not been great. But, Joel, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're one, we're right there
2: near all-time highs
3: lots of things to worry about the market just doesn't care
2: yeah and uh, we got the the rare sunday night earnings event
1: Wait, I, I just want to one, one more thing on that before we go to square is do um, you also think i mean everybody remembers what happened last march do you think any like in in terms of the the, the wicked bounce back right that, yeah. that, that literal v bottom right yeah. um do you think anyone's gonna 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 watch a you know two three four percent decline and think oh I'm not gonna miss this one here we go not, they, they or, are they, two they, hands <laughs> yeah that's what they do I mean I I am in that I'm in that club you know I mean I missed the bottom you, th- you think I'm gonna try to <laughs> just watch what and happens? I have a lot
3: of cash too I've been conservative I it, you know and I'm still sitting with quite a bit of cash because I'm still uncertain you know but when you look and you just start analyzing that you're like yeah on dips you got to buy the dips so. Would I buy Amazon in the dip? Yep. If I didn't already own it, I would. And, you know, maybe I should just add to it because you know that's what seems to work. Buy the dip has worked forever. Um, you know, I don't like to buy on day one, so I would use the bogey. You know how I trade? I've set these trades up a bazillion times. They have the big sell off. I look at the previous day's low. Look at Robinhood. I tweeted about that
1: on wow. Friday. Oh, wait, Dennis. You know what? Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because sure. I, I did not see your tweet, but I saw the same thing you did. And that level, as you would say, is huge, huge level, huge level, huge level, huge
3: level. I don't level. know if I'm saying that or if the thing's saying it, but we're both saying it. But huge level. I tweeted it out right when it was at 3340. Yeah. I'm like, they're trying to hold it, they're trying to hold this 3335, and they did take it out a little bit. Um, and that went down to 33 and a quarter, but overall, it held. It held. I mean, when you get the big candle, and somebody's tweeting at me and saying, you know. What are you talking about? Trade for one day. There is no huge levels. That's absolutely. <laughs> that's absolutely not. You know, I I I always say, you know, yeah, you know, I, I like to trade and have a little bit more information, but it's the only level. It was only just, not just a huge level. It was the only level was the thirty three thirty five. So when you have like one high and one low on you of one bar, those are big levels. So it held, and you know what? People who are buying it down there made some money on Friday. So, I mean, you got to look at those previous days low. Joel and I have traded this way for 20 years, looking at previous days lows and highs and looking where is our out. Why? Because it defines our risk. It gives us an out. So I don't buy on day one, but I'm not scared to buy on day two if it holds the previous days low. Takes out the previous days low, I'm out. That's where, you know, you can look and you can set up your trade. It sets up the risk for you. You know, the hood starts breaking down and going down 50 cents. You know, you got to get out. But you got to give yourself some wiggle room there, too. I mean, you know, it did take it out by the low, obviously. you know, they're not easy trades. Um, but at the same time, you just got to respect those previous days'
2: lows. I don't want to open up like a can of worms here, but as far <laughs> as market structure goes, and Dennis, I know this is something you've been talking about for years, but I guess nothing's happening on payment for order flow. I mean, this is just Oh, something- I think so.
3: If I was, and and I had this question from a reporter last week, you know, what do you think is going to happen with the payment for order flow? More disclosure. Are are we getting rid of payment for order flow in the U.S.? Highly, highly unlikely. Why? Because this is the reason that the brokerages will cite that we can have zero commissions. They're going to come back and say, you get rid of payment for order flow. How in the hell are we going to keep it at zero commissions? That's the argument on the other side. It's a strong argument. The regulators don't want to mess with that. Markets are at all-time highs. I mean, you're not going to see major changes in PFOF. Sorry. Um, You know, would I like to see it? Yeah. I've I've argued and, you know, I've been, you know, trying to, you know, obviously promote and to get more uh, trading going on exchange for a decade. I've met with the regulators multiple times. I've worked with the CFA Institute. It is a major issue. But regulators haven't really, you know, responded for good reason is that the argument on the other side is really strong too, and the other side is that we have free commissions, and pay more for order flow is a big reason why we have those free commissions. So I understand yeah. the other. I'm on the opposite side. I would, I, I still think you know you could get better execution, you could get a tighter market if we put more orders onto the exchange, right along with what Dave Lauer was saying. Completely agree with Dave. I've known Dave for 12 years, you know, and you know, completely agree with everything that he's saying, but. You know, the argument on the other side is strong as well. So I can see both sides of this argument. So I, I, I personally think you're going to see more disclosure. You're going to see maybe a little more transparency. I'd love to see more transparency in the FENRA tape because right now you have half of, and if regulators are listening, really, you know, low-hanging fruit. Let's get some more transparency in the FENRA tape because we got 40%, 50% of, of, of trades happening off exchange. And they all show up on the consolidated tape as
1: FINRA. And you you don't know what that means.
3: No, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It could be so many different things. It could be an off exchange market maker, you know, and we can kind of guess those ones. They're the ones with the sub penny price improvement. But, you know, there's institutional orders that are going off exchange. There's so much stuff happening off exchange. Let's break it down a little bit more. Let's see what is in the FINRA tape a little bit more. And then that gives us all more information. You know, because we really, when you're looking at it, you know, and, and CFA Institute did a study on payment for order flow, um, you know, in the UK from four years ago, but it's tough. They they, they struggle and they have a consolidated tape, you know, that, you know, for, for so many years, you know, it's, so it's a completely different way. What I mean by consolidated tape is every trade that happens in the US has to hit the consolidated tape. It's a CT. It has to report on that tape. There's certain timeframes where it's trading off-exchange. They sometimes have a little bit more time to hit the tape, but they they do. And uh, and internalizers, off-exchange market makers, hit the tape immediately. Uh, but you look here, you just see everything FINRA, FINRA, FINRA. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, bring up, you know, any stock, and it's just littered with FINRA. Well, let's break down FINRA a little bit more. We don't have necessarily, you know, and obviously I, I think there'd be a, you know, we don't want to, I would love to see, you know, who is doing it, but they're not going to allow that. But, you know, can we just see it was an off exchange market maker? Can we just see this was across, you know, a liquid net? I I don't know if they can break it down that much. But, you know, we break it down by exchanges here. And you have so many places off exchange market makers, you know, dark pools. You know, can we see it was in this pool happening? Because, you know, if I see lots of liquidity over here, maybe you want to go and you want to transact over there. So breaking down the FINRA tape would help a lot.
1: Thank you for that, Joel. Okay. Sorry. It's Monday morning.
2: <laughs> no, it's important because if you're looking at this stock and I mean and you're and you're truly worried about something like that, then that's yeah. a big reason because if that goes bye bye, you yeah. know, where were they I mean, but it, I I think I'd have to go with Dennis's argument on that one. It's more disclosure, it, yeah, is the only thing, thing we're gonna serious get. Serious take, we should yeah. at least
3: try to get that. There's no way, I will say right now on record, there is very, very little chance of a ban Going back, of payment yeah. for order flow. You know why? Because we have, we, we, the UK put a ban in 2012 payment for order flow. Canada doesn't allow payment for order flow. Yet we still see lots of off-exchange trading happening in, in Canada too. So, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, on U.S. stocks, like the Canadian brokerages, there's a point here to be made too. They don't receive payment for order flow when you're trading a U.S. stock through your Canadian brokerage account. But you still see them going and routing to off exchange market makers. You still see that sub penny price improvement. Um, so it, it, even if you were to ban payment for order flow, there's just the argument on the other that. side that not all the volume is going to necessarily just come onto the exchange.
2: All right, when Joel and Dennis are looking at the order book for orders that are coming in by price, what are they looking at? And uh, I believe that uh, that question is referring to the New York Stock Exchange open book, where you can get through to a variety of different platforms for New York stocks. And uh, Well, that's one exchange. Joel, one exchange, yeah. Like you have, you know,
3: I can't even keep track of the amount of exchanges. The 13 public exchanges, 14 now, I can't keep track of them, they're changing all the time. Yeah. But I mean, you could buy, you got, I subscribed them all. I got NASDAQ Total View. That shows you all the orders. And this is pre trade transparency. So you have post trade transparency, which is trades you seek occurring after the fact. And you have pre trade transparency, which is trades that, you know, you haven't occurred yet. So you're seeing the book, you're seeing where orders are. You can subscribe to ARCA book. You can subscribe to NASDAQ Total View. You can subscribe to the New York Stock Exchange Open Book. There's all kinds of different you can subscribe to a consolidated feed that just, you know, um, you know, is cheaper and you know doesn't break it all down. I mean, there's lots of different ways, but if you want to pay for all that stuff, it's expensive. I, I don't know what I pay for quotes every month, but it's a lot of money. So it just comes out of my trading account and you know, I maybe should pay more attention to it. But I know New York Stock Exchange opened bucks sixty bucks, but then you got total view. I don't even know what that is anymore. They change the pricing all the time. I think it's well over hundred dollars a month, it's not cheap. Arcabook, i think was always cheap it's around 10 or 20 bucks maybe it's fairly cheap again don't quote me on these i'm bad i subscribed to them all and they changed the pricing i don't look at it close enough to even know what they charge anymore which but, one do
2: you think you rely the most on or you look um, at the most
3: no, the, the, you know what? Total view is important because you're seeing all the depth of the NASDAQ. Because if you're just getting level one quotes, you're not seeing where it thickens up, where there's a big order. You know, like on Apple, for instance. What? Total <laughs> view tell, told me there's 150. There's a crap load to sell there. And that 150 level came up huge. What helps you with the book is you can see where it gets really you know big orders in certain spots. Now, there isn't a lot of like, – years ago, you really need, needed this information. Because, you know, there are institutions that were throwing big orders on the book. They don't throw the big orders out there as much. So, you know, it's not as easy as icebergs. There's different types of orders. You know, we're going to talk about all this stuff, Joel, when we do our uh, our event. on. And what's the date? Maybe you could give a quick Oh, yeah, on. we forgot to do Link that. Link uh,
1: is in the description. August 21st, 9 to noon. Link in description for the, uh, the three-hour Saturday special pre-market yes. prep webinar.
2: Yeah, we can cover. We'll be covering that. Uh, opening orders, closing orders, and balances. A lot of different, a lot of different strategies there. But okay, I don't look at me. I, I come back uh, from two days, and I start tangent. Well, uh,
1: you know, it's fine. uh, We will move on. Uh, The last thing I'll say is, if you're for those wondering, Robinhood said that about 1% of their funded accounts participated in the IPO last week. So that's about 300,000 users. Anyway, moving on here. We had Square Report earnings over the weekend. They did so because of this deal that was announced It's a big, big deal. They're buying... Afterpay, which I have to confess, I had never heard of. That's because I'm not in Australia. I guess if you're not heard of it either. If If you're in Australia, you definitely heard of this company. Uh, It's a $29 billion deal. That's like 25% of Square's market cap. So, very, very big big deal. It is a big deal. It's an all stock transaction. So, there was a ratio. I don't think you care though, because Afterpay doesn't trade in the US. I'll just tell you, Afterpay shareholders will get 0.375 shares of Square. For every share of Afterpay that they own, uh, Square is buying Afterpay at a, a price that basically amounts to a thirty percent premium from Afterpay's Friday close. So they're paying a it, it, they're paying up. It, it is an expensive, expensive deal. It is obviously the biggest deal in Square's history. It is the biggest M and A takeover uh, in, in in Australia history, or is, is what I read. Um, and it, it's Afterpay is basically a buy now, pay. it's a lot like a firm actually. It's buy now, pay later. Um, which, but they don't charge crazy, uh, crazy uh, interest like like center does. Mm. Um, this is like this is like that's like the new model. Anyway, Square's numbers were what they are, but almost irrelevant this morning because it's all about the, the deal. And again, a, a huge deal. Can't stress that enough. If you, if you're spending twenty five percent of your market cap on, on a deal, that's a big deal. Yeah, and you know
3: they paid a big buck for this. This company was trading at forty two times sales. You know, at least that's what I was reading in my Twitter feed. So you know, I know nothing about the company as well. Like I said, like you said, I hadn't even heard of it. But I mean, they paid a big buck for this company and maybe it's worth it. But the market punishes acquirers and typically when they're paying, you know, uh, very, very high prices for stocks. So it's not surprising the Square is getting hit here a little bit this morning. Would I buy the dip on Square? Not on day one, but maybe tomorrow again using today's low as a bogey. So. We will see SQ. You know, sometimes it pays, obviously, and sometimes it pays to buy on day one. Sometimes they bounce right back, but a lot of times they don't. And I don't want to be the one caught holding the bag. It goes down ten, or it goes down ten, might go down fifteen. So I always just wait. I play it a little more cautious and use the previous day's low. But down four point three percent, it goes on to the potential buy the dip, but not till tomorrow at least. You did
2: tomorrow. the initial reaction on the four. How many times have you seen this? The initial reaction took this down to two thirty three. And you got a bounce. What time well, is that at? I was Before on the 4 a.m. a.m. When there's no yeah. liquidity and people say, give me the hell out. Yeah, <laughs> I could probably break it down. Let's see if we can break it down like 2 a, let's see if it happened within five minutes. Uh, actually, it took, yeah, it was actually the full 15 minute bracket that it yeah. took to make the low. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just a, a second thing. Yeah. Uh, this is tough because you had the big run, you had the decline, and you were working your way back last week and looked like uh, new all-time highs were in, you know, just within reach. And now you're right back at half of this move. That actually comes out at 237. So there that's where you are right now. So I watched that for a couple days. Uh for resistance, just for today only. Bottom of yesterday's range was uh Friday's range was forty-four thirty-five. And then you got these lows right here um, in the lower. Uh, well, now that, that's at two thirty two, two thirty two twenty. So let it shake out. See if it, you know, if it holds the pre market low, it could very well drift higher. Uh, let it shake out for a day or two. Big deal, though. That's one of the biggest deals we've seen in a long time for Square. So and, in and no I, man's land.
1: And I mentioned a firm. You know, there's two ways to think about the deal like this as it relates to other companies. You could look at a firm and think, oh. Major competition. Or you could look at a firm and think, whoa, maybe take over target. Let us take the latter is what's prevailing this morning because a firm is trading higher. Up five uh, bucks. I, yeah, up five bucks. Uh, I mean, a firm has got a $15 billion market cap, which is basically half of what Square just paid to buy Afterpay. Right? Yeah. So and it's a
3: stock that has been just ha- hammered. Right. I mean, it was $146 back in February. It's $56 of close, trading at 61 so, good point. We love the sympathy trades. I mean, I don't like paying up 8% for it, anything. It's it, AFRM but, is your ticker on Yeah, AFRM. So um, You know, you get up near 70, all kinds of resistance up there a long ways away. And then you just got to look at, you know, two days ago, 62.77. So, yep. how high did we get in AFRM this morning? Has anybody got overexcited? Uh, uh,
2: they got to 61.50. Yeah, uh, is where you got. You know who uh and the, the only reason that uh I just remember this one is because uh of the name affirmed, right? Name of the great horse, but uh I remember uh, to uh Sean liked this one. I know. I, I can't remember when we, we had, had Sean him on, on in a while. What, what? Yeah. Let's get Sean on. Sean, I think he was on when you are gone. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I miss yep.
3: Sean. Yep. I always like Sean. He always gives me good tech, tech stock.
2: Tech stock strategist, Sean. Yeah. Know exactly uh that got a little bit of a pop uh faded back a little bit on the sympathy play so we'll see doesn't look like that. Uh, hundred and one thousand uh traded that's sixty one fifty what do we have do we have something we can line up with it ooh look keep an eye on that level folks sixty one forty it was uh Friday's high so you get a little uh, a little um Co- coincidence, or not coincidence, watch well, out, to... confluence. So big, oh, keep a big, big eye. 61, big 61 yeah, getting back, getting back. 61.40 uh, Friday's high, 61.50 pre-market high. That's the key to your high for the week at 62.77. Those
1: of you who do care, uh, Square did blow away their, their numbers for last quarter. EPS crushed it. Sales just, they just destroyed the
3: estimates. Yeah. So take it off yeah. your yeah. calendar. It's not going to report on Thursday here now. It did report over the weekend, and they were
1: good. Wait. Oh, I'm, uh, wait. There's sales. Oh, anyway. Sales were light. Okay, sales were light. I'm sorry. I misread that. Uh, yeah, sales were anyway, light. Moving on. Let's talk about GE, guys. GE, did wow. you ever think you'd live to see the day? I
2: knew it was uh, going back to it. GE
1: right. is $100 a share. $100 stock adjusted close
3: for the reverse split, $103.60. So it is actually trading down $0.80 cents here this morning. So G, um, coming in here a little bit. Typically, you don't want to be buying stocks that are doing reverse splits. We've talked about this before. We saw this with AHT as well. Recent reverse split, and the stock has continued to drift lower since the reverse split. Um, like you were saying, a lot of people are like, oh, it's over a hundred dollars. Let's short it under a hundred. I mean, this is, and that was, a, you know, a joke. But I mean, this is the mentality. It's like a stock is like, oh, son gee, hundred dollars. And, you know, I, I, it just, it never seems to be a buying opportunity reverse split. So typically they're more a selling opportunity when the stock price pops up off the reverse split. So tough, but you know, this thicker stock, we'll see what happens.
2: It's later. not going to be as thick anymore, Uh, but by... it,
3: it just thinned <laughs> up by about, you know, 800%.
2: <laughs> but you know what, this it still looks like it has the same kind of, you know, levels that You know, I mean, it's still GE. Oh, it's still going to have it's 115 is like super edge. You know, that was probably equivalent to the uh, 1450 area. So there you go. I mean, you have a clear area that you need to take out over over one fifteen, we're dollars away from that. That's your major resistance since uh, since early or since July of two thousand nineteen. So we'll let it shake out for a couple of days, see how it trades. But I like that number uh, that Dennis gave you, that adjusted close as a uh, potential reason. Resi- yeah, I,
3: I think it'll struggle to get over that. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually tested a hundred today. So calling for a bit of a it's sell-off here. gonna be thinner. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be thinner.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Eight. Not, okay. not the only reverse split today uh, so, Solar Winds, a 1 for 2, not not as drastic but a 1 for 2 oh, so, reverse split's the new cool thing so to do the, the is chart, that a
3: reverse split?
1: It, well the charts were because they just had a spin-off so the spin-off, oh. that, that gap is a spin-off that gap okay. down okay. is a spin-off but now the gap up is a reverse split okay so, it's, it's just trading splits. down
3: SWI and it's trading down a buck and a half so, but that's actually just a, a, an odd lot. It was a small, or actually, it was an odd lot. Somebody did hit it down 21 in Arca. It's really wide, man. It's 2011 <laughs> all the way up to 2245. It's things like, you know, drive a truck through that spread. So, 2250 is where it closed. this offers all up there. People want to sell where it closes. Nobody wanted to buy this till way down $20, which is, if you look at your charts, it's where your levels are for your support. So somebody's sitting at support with a bed, and somebody's sitting at the clothes with an offer, and there's nothing in between right now. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, a spin-off and then a reverse split. Here's yeah. my technical analysis. <laughs> Next <laughs> All right. Uh-huh.
1: How- uh, yeah, no, I know. I hear you. I hear you. Um what else? Just on the earnings front, we did have on semiconductor uh, this morning. On, uh, they had good numbers. Uh, stock is trading higher. Let me give you those numbers. It just came out. I think as chips a- all seem to have
3: as- good numbers. It's just yeah. like how they, you know, respond to those earnings. And this is one that had it run up a little bit in the last three or four days. But really, if you look at it from the last three or four months, it's gone nowhere.
1: I mean, really, in the last six months,
3: this whole year, it's gone nowhere. So popping up. Give us the numbers.
1: Uh, yeah. 63 cents versus 49 cent estimate sales of 1.67 versus 1.62 billion. So they beat the estimates on both their earnings numbers and they gave guidance above estimates as well. They gave a Q3 EPS range of 68 cents to 80 cents versus a 51 cent estimate and they gave sales estimate or guidance of 1.66 uh, uh, to 1.76 billion dollars, which was above the 1.6 billion dollar estimate. So they basically came in above Love estimates across the board, earnings and guidance. Uh, that said that we continue to see accelerating demand for our products in our strategic automotive and industrial and markets. Um, so it was strong demand basically.
2: Bid offered at 42.80, Dennis? Because that there, is
3: a, it's offered at 42.80, bid
2: 42.55.
3: Okay, I, hmm. I, I don't see much till 44, to be honest with you. I 44 know, is a I huge know. level. So I'm not uh, saying it's going there, but if it went there, I'd probably try to short it off 44 the first time, but <laughs> it's hard to short on good earnings. They can sometimes blow through it. So if I was shorting the stock, setting up a short trade for you, which I don't do too often because shorting is evil, uh, but $44, if I was setting up the trade for, if I was short and I like 43.90. I stopped myself out above forty-four
2: fifty-nine. Yeah, I see that high. I do see one uh, one intermediate high before that, and it's coming into play. So forty-three twenty, April twenty-eighth high, but that was just one single high. Uh, but that, the the uh, double top Dennis mentioned uh, right there, just under forty-four. Man, if this thing goes into reverse, huh? I mean, I would just – if you're a shorter-term trader trying to lock in profits, 42, I would just keep an eye on your 15-minute low, and that comes in at 42. But right there, 42, 44 perhaps, uh, trading range in ON, and and then I just – I just pulled up AMD. Did they get some upgrades, or no, is it, it just off it
3: just it? It cleared yeah. a hundred dollars, yeah. yeah, and it yeah. never looked oh. back. We talked about this on Friday when the market was pulling back, and I said this is one I would actually buy the dip on. It was one hundred two, and it went straight up from that open. Didn't look yeah. back. I mean, I I don't own it now. I had it. I got spooked out, which I'm I'm ticked off at of myself for that. Um, but you know, stocks making new all time highs. Definitely don't want to be short them.
2: Yeah, big move. So uh, just trading up again here today. All time. I mean, you've seen a lot of
3: this of the semis, Joel. I'm Marvel's wow. breaking out. I'm long Marvel, MRVL in the swing trade and long-term investment portfolio here. This is, you know, a breakout for MRVL again. New all-time highs. I believe it's new all-time highs. Sometimes you got to go back to yeah. the tech bubble. No, but no, I, I don't one. know I'm going to go back 20 years. I'm just going to assume it's an all-time high um you know nvidia is just sitting here um but yeah, amg marvel nvidia is still adjusting from the split so you know we had the big run-up for the split now it's kind of just yeah. digesting and once it gets if it can get through up through 200 then it starts to get interesting again too i think eventually it probably does uh but it's in the digestion period after the split
2: they uh they didn't bust it you know, they tried to bust it the day after the split and they couldn't do it. And uh just just consolidating here at one ninety five. Yeah. Uh let's keep an eye on the lot. you didn't mentioned two did mentioned two hundred. One ninety eight fifty three was the high from last week.
1: Let's let's talk EVs for a second before we, we get Tim on here. We you had uh, the Chinese EV makers uh, come out with their July deliveries over the weekend. Here, Li, Xpeng, Neo all reported, I guess, deliveries stronger. It, of course, the year-over-year growth is insane, right? Because there was nothing last year. So, uh, but uh, I guess compared to estimates, they're all strong. So, Li, Neo, Xpeng all trading higher. Uh, In the pre-market this morning, and I guess so was Tesla, though I'm not sure if that's related. Tesla does what Tesla does, but uh, they're all trading high. Tesla's
3: trying to take out 700 RAS, talking about in the chat this morning. It's just such a huge level. We kissed up there to 697. We kissed up there back at the beginning of July. We kissed up there in the middle of June. Third time's always a charm. I think it does take out 700 today. I think there's room to 750 on the chart here um, for Tesla, if it does indeed break out. I mean, a breakout's not a breakout until it breaks out. So it's got to get up over the 700, but we've tested it for so long, it makes me think we are going to break out here on Tesla. You know what's sleepy, too, is some of those lithium plays here. Um, If you're going to say, you know, we're starting to get the EV trade, starting to get hot again, which it apparently is with Tesla going, uh, Neo and XBEV, you know, have come back a little bit. Um, I'm still long some lithium. I'm still long some LAC. Both of these stocks look like they, these are in the longer term portfolio. I've had these in there for months. I don't intend to do anything with them. Um, but, you know, as trades, they kind of set up like LAC kind of looks like it wants to go to me. So, I mean, you know, this is a stock that breaks out over 15. You know, you could have, you know, if, if you see the Tesla rally continue, I think some of the lithium plays could actually pick up some steam.
2: Uh the only note on Tesla here is uh you know on earnings day, you know it's a you know you like to observe the price action to see what some of the bigger players are doing, but that really threw that on this day it really threw a head fake because it had you know good numbers and it sold off. it was actually you know down on that day, didn't quite get down to that sweet six twenty area you actually got down to six twenty seven twenty four and then they just immediately changed their mind immediately. So the earning day to action, good report. Uh, they hit it. They gave you a discount on the stock. And now look at that 700 just sitting up there. Yeah. Uh, I haven't quite traded through it yet in the pre. Yeah, you did. You got to 702.79. So a
3: big
1: level. I big think level. Closing it
2: above it too would be a big level.
1: Uh, it is 8.30, or just about 8.35 on Monday, which means y'all know what it's time for.
4: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Tim Quast, CEO of Market Structure Edge. Tim, good morning. Happy Monday. How was your weekend? Good morning. Happy Monday to you guys. It was uh, it was good. I was recovering from a from, uh, vacation Uh, don't scare us
3: we all are doing that tim you know what it's crazy joel took a vacation i took a vacation and the whole family came back sick which is scary We we went camping and my wife had the flu for three days she got a covid test she was negative uh, both kids are still fighting some burky coughs, and both and Natalie had a fever as a high as 104, which was scary for a day. Like I was scared we might have actually picked up the Delta variant, right. but apparently we didn't with the negative test. Um, I kind of fought it off, so. But it's like you go on vacation here, and now you got to recover because you know what? Our immune systems are so low. Somebody coughs or looks at you wrong, and you get sick.
4: It's, that's right. It's the consequence of our of our bubble world existence. Yeah, true. You're, so, so are you all healthy? Should go out that's and the roll, first question. Roll. Did
3: you guys stay healthy?
4: <laughs> we we did. So, uh, you good. know, we we employed the vital health strategy of consuming wine. Uh, that's, <laughs> oh, uh, that's good. You know, that's uh, the, no, yeah, yeah, we kills were, everything. <laughs> I have to recommend so if if, if your if your uh, listeners and viewers have not been to Lake Canandaigua in upstate New York, the Finger Lakes, so there's uh, there's Canandaigua and then Seneca right next to each other. Uh, I I recommend it. And there's the the whole wine trail along uh, Seneca Lake is just spectacular. Uh, and so uh, Henry J Weimer uh, W I E M E R Henry J Weimer, great winery, one of the uh, pioneers of the the Riesling boom there in upstate New York. They make beautiful Rieslings, beautiful Cab Francs. Uh, so that will keep you healthy. you know if you go out in the woods you're gonna get sick Dennis you, you need
3: to... <laughs> Maybe I asked for it. <laughs> it did rain pretty hard on us that last day.
4: Did, did it did it well it's it's been a wet it's been a wet summer it, it was it's there it was that way in upstate New York too because well it wasn't rainy uh, but it's usually 95 and 95 percent humidity and it was very pleasant and uh, the locals said it's been a been much wetter. And so that, that's not that far from where you are. I don't think, Dennis, uh, you, you know, we're, we're just it'd just be up to Niagara Falls and and, and over the border, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. little ways,
2: little, little ways. ways,
1: little ways. Uh, All right.
4: Yeah. Tim, the, the theme
1: for the past couple of weeks is as it relates to earnings season has been numbers right. blowed away. Amazing reactions. Right. Not so great. Right. right. Um, what, why is that, you think?
4: Well, uh, so, it, it, from a trading standpoint, yeah. one is naturally reminded of of uh, Sun Tzu and the Art of War. Of course, <laughs> of course, obviously, of course. I mean, that's the you know that uh, that that uh, tra- you know tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. So, if you expect. <laughs> If you expect that just great numbers are going to result in great outcomes and you haven't studied the demand and supply equation in the in the stock market, you're going to be surprised. Uh, and to me, it's that simple. Of course, I'm a, you know, I'm a devotee of market structure. And, and I think that it's, it reflects the, the most basic economic principles of supply and demand. I put demand first because uh, in the equity market, demand drives the market. Supply influences its strength. And those two things, when you look at them heading into earnings, uh, we talked about this, uh, uh, you know, last Monday that the the, the, I didn't expect that the market would do poorly because sentiment was bottoming. But I didn't expect that stocks like Tesla would necessarily do. And I heard you were talking about Tesla and I'll show you what changed. I I said that to looking at Tesla, I wouldn't buy it now. I want to buy rising demand and falling supply. And, let's look
3: at Tesla because a lot of people are talking about it
4: this morning. Okay, well let's well let's have a look at this from a, a market structure standpoint. So if you're, you're you're following along, you can do this, everybody. If you haven't yet tried Edge, just go over here and you can put your name and email in, and it doesn't take a credit card. You can you can do this for 14 days and come back next Monday to pre market prep, and we'll talk about how what's changed. Uh, the, so let's look at Tesla. And, and I have not changed any of these. In fact, I didn't change the date with apologies. I meant to do that. Uh, but I wanted to keep the same stocks because let's look at Tesla here. Now- Can you, can you a, share, your, share your screen? Oh, did I not finish that? Oh, no. Sorry. This is, it's, uh, this is what happens when you go on vacation. You forget know, how to do I know. stuff. it takes you a couple days right, team, uh, to get back in the groove. <laughs> I, <laughs> so it's not July 26th, it's August 2nd. But uh, okay, so here- here is what, how you will see Tesla in, a, in an edge portfolio. It's a set of numbers that tell you the supply demand equation is dead even at five. Uh, sentiment is trending up though. That's what you want, you wanna buy rising demand. Uh, supply side 38%, just compare that to Amazon at 47% short. What that's telling us is the percentage of volume coming from borrowed stock. So high speed traders, we call them fast traders. So Apple by the way is led by that behavior. Uh, Here it's indexes and ETFs. Believe it or not, you know, the new money is going to come in and money wants to be allocated to Tesla. And there's, it doesn't matter what the stock pickers think. If passive money is being allocated to Tesla, it will rise. And so you want to know those things when they're occurring. Uh, These things look, you know, this is a change. If we look at the data visuals here, here's what happened. When we talked about this last Monday, I said, well, I don't, I, it's, demand is below five so stocks tend to do better the gains tend to come when it's above five excess demand and I look at the supply side of the equation not great it's not terrible but look what happened here's even you don't have to you don't have to capture all the gains but you want to buy rising demand and falling supply. so supply trended below the trend line and demand rose Well now I'm going to buy that that's what you that's what you buy. And that will capture gains and avoid losses. That's the whole that is the strategy. The Sun Tzu strategy of edge is capture gains and avoid losses. The tactics are by demand of, uh, rising demand and, and supply this constraint. And avoid the, the the opposite of those conditions. So that's why Tesla is rising. And could it continue? Well, go back here. We can have a you know what happened the last time. Well, when it got up to ten, and then uh, demand began to wane and supply jumped above trend, price fell. Now it's not perfect. It will be lumpy. Price is capricious, uh, whereas supply and demand are not. They're predictive and fairly consistent. And so you could just wait until, oh, now we've got this rising demand and falling supply equation. That's what we want to buy. And now you can capture those gains. And It's not about the numbers, people. It's not about the numbers. Because if it was, you would see active money as the lead behavior. It is purely models that say, well, there's an awful lot of, of exchange-traded funds that have, want some exposure to the things that Tesla represents, whether it's ESG or EV or, you know, pick it, consumer discretionary. It's a huge part of the consumer discretionary allocation now. And that is how the market works. And there's a, in, indulge me for one more moment, because I think there's a very important overall lesson about the market. The market is about time frames purposes and horizons. High-speed traders, fast traders are continuously sifting supply and demand and they have the shortest horizon and the least risk. Passive money has a little longer horizon but they're following a model and wherever they vary from their model, their strategy, they hew back to it. And that happens generally monthly, maybe even two times a month. So a little more risk, but still a constrained risk. You know who's got the greatest risk of all? buy and hold investors and corporations because their horizons are years out, right. and which which then take into account all the things that can go wrong over those years. And so time is risk. And that's why I say you wanna just, you, you have to eliminate time as your your risk component. And, and that's what we try to focus on with Edge. There, that's the, the, the art of war uh, thought for the day. <laughs>
1: I I can never quite know which direction these are going to take it, but I I do know there's always going to be some obscure reference to some (laughs) some random thing when when Tim joins us every Monday. So, Tim, what are you looking for for this week?
4: Well, there are 1,600 companies reporting. Uh, So isn't that something? This is actually the heart of earnings. You would have thought last week was, but this is it. And the companies who are reporting this week are at a distinct advantage over the people who reported last week. Why? And once again, it's a, it's a concept of how the market works. Last week was month-end window dressing. You're going to true up your model. If you're a hedge fund, you want to lock in your gains so that when you send a statement to your customers, your clients who have funds with you, that you can report that you had a good month. Well, that's difficult if you're reporting into that. It's much better to report in a new month, particularly the first week or so, because that's when new money comes in. So I could write our market desk note and look at the trends in the market. I wrote it yesterday. For uh, I send daily notes to Edge subscribers, and I could look at the broad market sentiment trend, and it's rising. Uh, I could look at all the trend lines across my dashboard; they're rising, and I already know what the market's going to do today. I don't have to wonder because all the demand uh, charts are, are up and to the right, and it's the new month, and money's going to get deployed. Now the question is, how much staying power does that have? But that means, to answer your question, Spencer, that it's probably a better. Uh, this would be a better week than last week. To have exposure to companies reporting results. I tend to avoid that. I sold Facebook on Tuesday, uh, even though the data was fine, because I don't like those conditions. I don't like uh, the the capriciousness of what happens to stocks with earnings because there's so much speculation and the use of derivatives. And then it's month end window dressing to boot. I don't want to get caught in that. And so now we're out of that. So it will be a better week, at least, at least for a few days. And then we'll see. I'm still concerned and we can come at that to that at the end if we want about the big picture. Uh, But that's what I think will be the case this week. I think it'll be a pretty good week. We've got so many
3: companies reporting. Um, I just want to go to a couple specific ones because yep. everybody's been talking about Alibaba. It's been trading like a yo yo up and down. Yep. I'm gonna report tomorrow morning. Would love to see the market structure sentiment on Alibaba.
4: Let me fix be, this while I'm at it. Okay. This would be interesting. And and let anybody else I should add while I'm at it, Dennis?
3: Um yeah, sure. If you're in here, I was gonna look. Roku is gonna report on Wednesday. Okay. General Motors as well on Wednesday. So those are big reports that I'm watching.
4: Okay, GM.
1: Can you add? Can you add RCL to that? Yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. Also Wednesday. Okay, cool. Okay, RCL and let's see, General Motors. There we are. Okay, let's uh, let's take a quick look. We'll do this really fast. So Alibaba, you know, it's been it's miserable. You look at that, one point eight and down. Yeah. Uh, You know that it's you. Once again, the what's the lesson, uh, traders? You want to buy rising sentiment. You know, they don't want to buy falling sentiment. I don't You're care not seeing the that happen is. yet. Right, right. I look at that and say, it's not great. The, su- the supply side's fine. It's, you know, the, the there's no supply side issue, but the supply side also tells us there's no excess demand. Uh, High speed traders can manufacture stock. we talked about the exemption from the short locate rule. I look at this and say, boy, things have to change before this offers opportunity. You're taking a, a big risk. Uh, with with Alibaba right now, just from a supply-demand perspective. Uh, so then, then let's go look at uh, Roku and RCL and sure. then GM. So uh, look, here's Roku, 10 out of 10 top, 61% short, passive money leading. I mean, that's remarkable. The trouble is most of the gains probably have been realized. So, right. you know, you, it's, and it, it's peaked. So look at this, demand has hit the top and supply is rising. It it doesn't mean that it's going to collapse it, but I never, no matter what, I never buy a 10 out of 10, 61% short stock into earnings because I have seen for more than a decade providing analytics to public companies and telling them this very same thing. You're going to report great results and your stock's going to go down 8% because demand has peaked and supply is rising. And that's what's happened. It's market structure. It's not your story. You got to make sure your executive team knows that. Otherwise the IR team is going to get blamed for blowing the message and it's not the message. It's supply demand. So Roku, my view, avoid it. That's uh, so let's look at uh, RCL. Uh, nine up 55% short fast traders leading. Again, you're at the, you're at the, this is, this is a. Di- that's a difficult chart. I, it, it, uh, I wouldn't buy it. It doesn't mean it's not going to do well. You know, if we looked at that whole group uh, I'm going to go to the dashboard because I, I track this group all the time and uh, you can see it. The first portfolio will be airlines and cruise ships. And, you know, here was the ramp, the steep ramp and the drop in, in short volume, there was a brief opportunity in this group. And I think it's about done. Unfortunately, Joel, I think, I, it's challenging to me. That would that to me would be you're taking a bigger risk with that group. Uh, so, last one, uh, GM, right? Yeah. Okay, let's take a look at that. Uh, best of the group to me. You know, it's a five. Trend is up thirty two percent. So uh, rising demand, limited supply. High speed traders think there's going to be an increase in demand for it. That's why they're out front. Uh, so even though that ticked up a little bit, it's right at at, at uh, trend, and there was a nice covering that occurred right ahead of this uh, move up in demand. I look at that and say, that's a pretty good bet. That's one, if it, out of any of them, that's what you would buy heading into earnings, I would say.
1: All right. Tim Kloss we'll is the CEO of Market Structure Ads. The link is up on the screen. It's also in the description. Tim joins us every Monday. And we appreciate it, you guys. Smash the like for Tim. Great stuff as always. Tim,
2: I just did. See you next. I like week. I like Tim. Good to All see right. you guys. Thanks a bunch, guys. All right. You like market structure, Dennis. So I right.
3: like every, I like everything Tim talks about.
1: Oh, it's, I'm a Tim. I'm a Tim Quast fan. Let's do some ticker time. We
2: got some tickers
1: in the chat. I've been doing my best to keep up throughout the hour. Let's start with uh, the one I wrote down first this morning, which is Netflix. Somebody asked about Netflix at the top of the hour. Let's look at that
3: chart. I haven't looked at it for a bit Since they got into the video gaming and then they decided that they were going to punish the stock for that, um, it's come back in. I mean, you're at... Okay. It's interesting. 5.04 is a low of the move. You're quite a ways away from there. I don't know. You're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Joel, I'm going to throw you this one because it's a curveball.
2: I you had earnings what was that uh, two weeks ago two weeks ago and uh, it kind of looks like you put in an earnings low there at that 504 area so yeah, yeah. and then uh, on the rebound here uh, 520 I think you got room up to top 525 area 524 47 and then just to see if you either get a trading range and then come back or if you, if you bust out here but uh, other high to contend with uh Thursday's high would be your first one to come in trading at 520 78 and then top of the range from last week 524 47 really don't don't i mean they did not bust it after earnings so looks like it's just crawling its way back kind of like the market you know like not not definitely this it's not a chart going down but it's not exactly ripping up uh,
1: there are some conversations chat about casinos specifically Wynn and LVS. I think we I feel like we talk LVS a lot, but somebody has yeah, to. About- because I'm long, I getting getting killed. All right, <laughs> but but uh, Wynn was specifically the one that they wrote down. WYNN. I uh, liked uh hundred
3: too, but it's these they just can't the reopening trade. Okay, so here just you know talk Delta for a few minutes here. I mean, I think this Delta, it, from what all indications look like, it's going to continue to spread. Yeah, I don't think we're on top of it at all. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of people who are vaccinated now getting it. The market is somewhat worried in these stocks. And it's not coincidental that on Friday they were hammering these stocks, too. So you get a relief pop, maybe in a couple today. Um, You know, Carnival Cruise Lines is trading higher for the simple reason that we didn't get a lot of bad news on the weekend. But if I look, you know, and what I try to do, you know, obviously we look at a lot of different types of strategy on the show. But I'm always trying to predict kind of the next, you know, flow. Where is, you know, the next news flow going? I think it's a fairly easy prediction to say that Delta is probably going to continue to rise here in the short term. And that probably spooks the reopening trade. So I don't want to own any of these stocks. Yes, I do have some Las Vegas hands that I stuck in a long-term portfolio, which I didn't. But I mean, when you look at this, it's becoming a smaller portion of my portfolio every day. I'm very underexposed to reopening stocks. I'm going to continue to remain underexposed to reopening stocks because I'm concerned that this Delta variant could continue to spread if i wanted to own stocks right now it would be tech and it would be stay at home
2: these stocks are whew, like i just looked at a pen here and that that is uh it's bearing down i mean not on the low of the move but look, just hit a, a wall of resistance this is a
3: reopening trade too that is yeah. not happening the great yeah. reopening happened like spencer said on friday and as now people are worried that, you know, the great reopening trade is not happening. We're not going back into lockdowns, Joel. I mean, I think I we're think all so. in consensus. There's no way. Fauci said it too. There's not. We're not going to allow lockdowns again. But that doesn't mean that everybody's just going out and doing their happy things. You know, if there's fear of Delta out there, um, especially since vaccinated people appear to be susceptible to it to a certain extent. They're not getting very sick, but there's a lot of people who are getting, you know, um, Delta, you know, and we're talking the COVID variant after being vaccinated, it is going to scare people away from, you know, going on their trips and doing and stuff. It's but it's some so people hard. are it's some so people hard. are gonna be scared.
1: It's so hard to know. There are two major things that are different this summer than last summer. One, we we have a vaccine, and two, you can go if you want to go places you can go places right like last summer even if you wanted to go somewhere frankly where were you gonna go right yeah like there really wasn't much to do um i i think it's basically impossible to judge even if delta keeps spreading it's impossible to, to judge how how busy um travel tourism all that will be because some people frankly don't care and and they have the vaccine and they're thinking great i'm I'm good to go. And others don't have the vaccine, so don't still don't care. Others have the vaccine and are still, you know, staying at home. And so there's so many different variables you just don't I it's impossible to know. It's impossible to know. It's it, impossible to know anything,
3: yeah. but well, we, no, what, no, what we well, do as traders is we try to predict, you know, right. what we think. I'm saying my prediction here is that the reopening stocks are still gonna be under pressure at least in the next week or two, as negative headlines for delta continue to emerge
1: but last some my point is last summer it was not impossible to know because demand was basically at zero and we all knew it wasn't going to stay there forever yeah. so we knew there was going to be a spike in demand as soon as yeah. everything reopened right that was obvious and so now that we've already gotten that spike that initial spike in demand it's now now it's you know anyway that's just my take um there's a fear
3: out there, though. There is a fear out there, and yeah. we're not saying, you know, that it's just the next wave, and we're all going to have zombie apocalypse style here. But if I was just looking at the news flow, I'm seeing the tick up in Delta. I'm seeing the tick up in people who are nervous about it. I'm seeing, you know, headlines breaking: vaccinated people, 232 uh, in, in two hospitals, and I believe San Francisco of, of vaccinated healthcare workers caught COVID, caught Delta. I mean, these are headlines that – there's a reason why you see Penn Gaming. There's a reason why you see Las Vegas Sands. Why Win, Why the airlines have all got hit. Is it all priced in? Maybe, but I think the headlines are still negative. So until we start to see, you know, that those headlines stop ticking higher uh, on on the Delta, I don't want to be long these stocks. Maybe. I I would rather be long – Tech stocks and 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 it can change on a dime, you know, and you have to be prepared for it to change on a dime. But there is definitely justification for Penn Gaming to be at sixty eight dollars down from one hundred and ten three months ago because you know what, the great reopening trade that we were predicting hasn't really been as great as we had hoped it would be. I don't
2: know. And the summertime too was where you know was. I mean, the only thing that's disappointing to me is you know, I love you know the summertime. You know, it's gonna, you know, uh, supposed to be better, you know, than the fall when you get in uh, flu and cold season, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. that's true, that's true. That's Just true. from the eye indicator, though, yeah. I mean, airports were busy, yeah,
1: uh, that's, that's, um, that's what I'm saying, right? I mean, yeah, we've, we've I mean, all, I travel multiple times, you've, you've you've both traveled, right? Yeah,
3: I didn't go to an airport, no, yeah. but, you, but you travel somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, it's stuff going on, yeah, yeah. we're not shut down. Right, there's stuff going on, right? But this market doesn't care about what has happened. It cares about what is the going future. to happen. That's all that the market prices in is expectations. And if you're looking at these airlines, cruise lines, casinos, reopening plays, they're nervous about Delta. The stocks are nervous about Delta. It's a clear, clear trade, even to the stay-at-home trade. Look at what has occurred in the last month. I mean, stocks like Peloton have started to come back up. I mean, yes, in the last week, you know, maybe they started to sell off. But, I mean, you know, Roku in itself, its yes, it's been an ugly couple of days, but we were down at under 300 in May. We're back up at 420. So, I mean, there has definitely been this trade that has occurred. Is it continue? I don't know if anybody, like Spencer's saying, I don't know if anybody knows anything at this point in time. But the headlines matter, and they are mattering to the market here. And the Delta headlines, and you can clearly see the the spooked that certain sectors, despite the market at all time highs, there are certain sectors, the okay. opening stocks, that have not participated and have actually got hit. And the reason for that is Delta.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, let's just do one more. Uh, there was a, a newer one uh, in chat, uh, small cap, six hundred million dollar stock, RADA. RADA. They had earnings this morning. Oh. Um, EPS beat, sales beat. RADA, newer one again. It's a six hundred million dollar uh, stock, so so it's a little bit smaller. Um, what but stock not, is that? Rada. Radical Never traded electronic. this before. Like I said, it's 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 six hundred million dollars, so it's a smaller company. But um, I was wondering if Joel had any thoughts. From the chart,
2: Uh it's uh it's trading up, it's moving up on only twenty-four cents. Uh I see an area uh, of resistance and it's just two highs in the same area. And that's your bogey. Thirteen sixty, 1360, thirteen sixty-three, or thirteen twenty-seven. Uh it really opens up to fourteen and beyond. But uh right now, uh sellers stepped ahead of their last couple days, but keep an eye on thirteen sixty.
1: All right, uh, 8.59. Guys, any final thoughts before I let you go and bring on Matt from IP Warriors? Absolute yeah. confusion in this market.
3: Um, you've got a market <laughs> at all-time highs. You've got certain sectors that are not participating for obvious reasons. I think still the safest place to be is tech. Would I buy the dip on Amazon? You see if it holds yesterday's low or Friday's low, 3,306. That would be my bogey. I'm long Amazon still in the long-term account. It's going nowhere. Would I put it on for a trade? If we get a retest at 3306 and the holds, I would. Um, I think that's how I'm approaching all in this market. I'm still playing very conservatively. Uh, tight, you know, and, and not, not loose stops, like not holding anything in my swing trading portfolio that, you know, I don't want to get stuck with. I mean, I think you got to play it a little bit conservative because there is unknowns. But, you know, there's also the market near the high. So you want to have some exposure as well. So if you're looking at dips, like people have been asking about Pinterest, PINS, look at Friday's low, 5801. Does it hold? If it doesn't hold, then you think maybe you could see 55 Ooh, or What happened to them? Did they get downgraded? Earnings. On?
1: Earnings.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. They, so they got pumped up. Same, on same thing as
1: Amazon, really? Oh, yeah. Joel, me, is that report. Yeah, that wasn't a good one.
2: <laughs> and and, and, <laughs> that and, good and one. the argument oh, here, Joel, oh.
3: people are going out and doing stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is the same yeah. thing. They're not sitting at home dreaming about what their house is going to look like. Right. You know, they're, they're actually people going out and doing stuff. So if we look at what's happened in the last three months. The reopening happened. Now it's like, okay, are we going to continue? Would I buy a Pinterest down here near 55, 56, 57? Maybe. Um, and the valuation is still crazy, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to There's some nice support down there in the mid-50s. So, again, you got to stop yourself out, though.
2: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop off and uh, get still getting to my market thoughts together, but I uh, got a good look at the S this morning. I'm gonna go over to premarketprep.com and uh, cover that and some other issues. And uh, Spencer, I will check in with you later today and see you at 3:30.
1: All right, let me see you, Dennis. Let's let's bring on Matt Hammond here, and uh, you know, I don't know if this week will be as exciting as last week with. Uh, it's not every every week we get a, an you know, IPO like Robinhood, but uh, let's bring on Matt IPO Warriors and have him tell us how he. Well, I don't. Uh, he was on vacation, so I don't even know what he did last week. Matt, w- w- were you were you in the uh, the Robinhood IPO uh, getting down dirty or, or not really?
0: Uh, no, I mean, like I said on the show, I didn't see it as a good IPO play, and I. Yeah. Um, last week, since I was on vacation, I really only had time to take any plays where I could kind of set my limit order um, on autopilot to get into a trade and then, you know, kind of casually yeah. or even just set it and forget it, my exit.
1: So I did take a couple trades
0: on the easy one. Wait, real
1: fast. Do you have a light so we can see your face? Uh, Oh,
0: my camera is not so set. I can go to the slideshow and we can talk from there. But, All right. Let's just throw the slideshow. Yeah. Up. Let's roll. No, I, I got to get something going with the lights or a, a better lens or something. But, um, yeah, I said that the Robinhood IPO didn't look too appealing to me. Um, I do have it on the agenda here, so we can just jump right to it. Uh, we can look at the chart here. I expected the hype to not, you know, the retail buyer not to show up for this one. And the reason was that they did a huge retail allocation. You had everybody in Reddit just bashing it, talking about how do I short this? I hate them. You know, they screwed them. I mean, it's really become, you know, what was once sort of the um, anti-establishment tool that everybody used to get into the stock market. People very quickly turned against it during the whole GME, um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, what was the trading desk that, that they kind of seemed to corroborate with that uh, shut down the trading. Anyway, that got everybody really pissed off and they kind of took this opportunity to get their revenge. Robinhood might be a good long-term play. Kathy Woods certainly thinks so. And she added to it on both days, her, you know, added positions to her, um, several of her funds. So the bottom seems to be at around 33 right now. And just like she did with UiPath for the first kind of few months, every time UiPath dropped, to below about 68. She seemed to swoop in and buy it and it sent it back up to about 72 to 74. And I took a bunch of swing trades on that one um, and ultimately built a position on PATH just because um, it seems to rebound whenever she kind of affixes herself to a stock. And I believe that Robinhood will get protected at around 32, 33. Certainly, if you see anything down to 30 you know pick up a position and expect it to swing back it's still a very profitable company and despite you know retail sentiment being against it which is what you know caused me to stay out of the IPO and um, there's a good chance that this has already kind of found its bottom down at around 30 and i see limited downside and you know pretty good potential upside for a company that makes that kind of revenue i don't really think payment for order flow is going to get abandoned completely. There's just too much money that likes it. And too many people that appreciate free trading that are willing to sacrifice that uh, in order to not pay. I mean, I think you've been trading long enough to remember what it was like to pay $10 to get into every trade and $10 to get out of every trade and it totally changes your strategy. You're not going to dollar cost average in You know, 50 shares or 20 shares at a time to build a position on the way down and then exit with multiple positions, it really kind of forces you into, I mean, if you're only, especially if you're only buying a hundred dollars worth or a couple hundred dollars worth of shares at a time, you're kind of starting every trade 10% down or 5% down. And that makes it very hard for retail investors, especially beginners to, you know, to, to profit off any kind of trading. So. Um, I think Robinhood is probably a solid company. They're expand. They have a lot of room to expand. Uh, Yes, people do graduate out of the platform, but a lot of people like it for options trading. A lot of people get into it because it's easy to use. I personally don't like it so much as a platform, but I understand its position in the market. And I think that despite it having a kind of you know n- not an ipo that you could you know make a lot of money off right off the, just buying the debut it's still a solid company so um definitely one that this, and this is one of the reasons i love the ipo trading strategy is it kind of introduces you to a new stock your newly traded stock on day one and you really i mean i keep track of these ipos especially the hot ones i understand you know now snowflake we're almost a year on from it and i know what its trading ranges are i know why it went up not just you know you look at technicals but technicals are driven by market factors announcements news you know news releases headlines and you develop almost like a deeper understanding of why a stock has traded in its range why a stock you know might be at a bottom where it's now a good time to buy it Uh, first and where it might swing up to and and what your exits might be on that. So, um, you know, the strategy is not all just about trying to take profits in the first, you know, a couple days. There is a longer term benefit to having tracked or followed these IPOs from day one. Now, you know, okay, well, a lot of people bought in at 38. A lot of people bought the IPO either through the allocation that was offered through Robinhood as the trading platform. And a lot of people, you know, sold it right then. But a lot of you know there is at least some institutional interest hedge funds that are you know etfs that are buying this to support it down at the bottom and you can kind of use this range if you do want to either take a long position or you want to find a swing trade opportunity um you know to to kind of create your own ideas of where you know where to trade this in the future um you have anything else to ask about or say anything about Robinhood?
1: No, no. I I, I think that the big thing is there. There was just there was just thirty day lockup for the three hundred thousand users that that got some shares on uh, on Thursday. So I noted that, and in, in a month we'll, we'll look at this again and see uh, what that does to to the stock. But that's um, that's really a great point yeah. because
0: lockup periods are something you want to pay attention to with IPOs. And assuming that a lot of people decide to take profits at that point. Yeah, if you do want to take a long position, that would be an ideal time to look to, um, you know, to build a position. So if it drops down to like 25, cause everybody's sold on that day, you could anticipate a pretty quick, uh, correction to that as, uh, the real valuation of the stock, uh, yeah, you know, gets recalculated into the, to the price. Okay. That wasn't the only prop. I mean, that was, there were some profitable trades last week. Uh, I'm not going to review the ones that were only, you know, 5%, uh, talk about a little bit about uh, Traeger Grills later when we talk about Weber that's coming up this week. Oh, yeah, Snap talk about,
1: talk about that. yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah,
0: yeah I think uh, the retail ones that everyone knows that there's a reason we like to play those. Yeah. Uh, be- before we get to that, I want to talk about quickly about two wins from last week. Uh, Snap One is a fintech. The market was a bit weak during the, uh, during the middle of last week. And when you see something like Snap One, which maybe a year ago would have done really well, uh, it's a fintech for you know bank lending and it debuted at the IPO price. So you're basically getting a chance to buy in at the same time as institutional investors, institutional investors that like this we can add to their position. So when you see a debut at 16 like this, I like to do something with a weak market where I'll undercut the debut price. So if I see the indication price is at $16, maybe try for like a 50 cent discount and maybe even stagger a few trades below the debut price, because these quick drops often immediately rebound. And we'll see something like this we've seen it quite a bit in the last few weeks where a stock will debut drop a little bit and quickly come back up so you get to establish your position at like 1550 for example would be a great place to to set an undercut bid here and then you ride it out for a day if you know if you have some conviction in this stock if you see a lot of people who like this stock a lot of analysts saying oh this is a pretty solid company um, you can take your undercut bid to enter and then just don't be greedy you know look for either a dollar on the first day or start looking at where to exit on whole dollar values. I would say that 17, if you got in at 15.50, that would be a great exit. 17.50, okay, a little bit better. So maybe exit in uh, stages. But after the, you know, the t- second day, if you held all the way through, you had a position where you could have taken, you know, two and a half dollars on the play, and that's not a bad uh, two-day trade. And these are the kind of trades when. Other things aren't too exciting, but you see something and that's having an effect on the IPO prices. The debut prices do seem to be pretty sensitive to market conditions. And we saw a lot of IPOs over the last week uh, get delayed, including Clarios, which is B-T-R-Y. That has a lot of institutional interest. It's a battery manufacturer. Uh, They've postponed their IPO Teeds, uh, which is a spinoff that we were of um, ad, ad matching platforms. It's uh it's delayed. So we see when the market's a little bit weak, yeah, you're not gonna make the huge pops usually, but it does give you an opportunity to take little one and two dollar gains, which if you're buying, you know, larger volume shares, or you just want to take it what I consider to be a rather safe play with limited downside and a good chance for a rebound either you know right away or what was that? No, nope, you're good. Yeah. Um so anyway, this was a win opportunity, it was pretty straightforward. There are a couple others that weren't quite as dramatic, but did the same thing, including Traeger grills, riskified, um, not a lot of downside, especially if you undercut the open and picked up that initial dip. And then you got in on, a, you know, you got an opportunity to take some profits. So when the rest of the market is kind of up and down, you don't know where it's going. The IPO market, you know, when you look for these uh, kind of dip opportunities can give you a, a nice little day trade. So, uh, you know, or, or two day swing trade. So this is one example of that. The next one, just because it was so volatile and kind of came out of nowhere, uh, because I was on vacation, I didn't pick up on Icosovax. Uh, It kind of got added to the calendar midweek. And the reason it did so well is that they are developing, you know, they're in the vaccine business and they have two candidates for COVID. And it just happened that the day that they debuted, Moderna was going up a lot of, there's a lot of news about the, um, you know, the new COVID variants. And vaccine plays were just hot that day. And I think the IPO was priced at like 16 and it debuted at 26. So if you're watching that debut indicator at the, you know, all day before it went live, you would have queued into this that, wait, this is getting some serious hype, you know, a hundred percent, you know, or or anywhere in the kind of like 70, 80, hundred percent debut premium that's going to get my attention that shows me people like it doesn't mean i'm necessarily going to buy it right away but i'm going to be watching it and when you see something dip hard like that yeah that's a little bit of a hmm. but it comes back up to vwap here and you start saying hmm maybe this runs and you know if you did like this at all and you did put two and two together to see that it's a vaccine play on a day when vaccines are in the news you know maybe you got in anyway went on a ridiculous run and topped out at 4999 very hard to catch this one but something that i'm going to put in my memory bank and say okay well if the new the headlines are hot maybe it's secure cybersecurity is hot that day maybe um you know maybe vaccines are hot that day maybe we had last week it was the gene editing when Intellius had a big announcement and the ipos from like the week before that were in gene editing they all spiked so these IPO plays seem to be pretty sensitive to kind of trending headlines. And if you have a little bit of a backlog in your mind, I, I said that last Monday, you guys were talking about uh, cybersecurity and I said, oh, well, Sentinel one, their IPO was last week and they're trading it still at like 46, 47. And last Friday, it peaked, you know, it jumped up to 55, you know, for, for a moment. And I had still, I had been holding my position from the IPO at 46 and I got out at a nice profit on Friday. So recent IPOs and especially like day of IPOs that relate to a kind of trendy headline uh, or a, a market segment that's really hot in a, in a given day or a given week. Those are ones to watch. And this one on that day kind of aligned with the vaccine headline. And if you pick that up would have given you a really nice profit. So Keep that in mind whenever we're trade. you know whenever you see story trades think of what ipos have been recently released because if they're not already way up that they, they have a lot of room to um you know to, to jump so this week we've got a few kind of like unknowns that were rescheduled and a few to go through i kind of ate up a bit of time talking about Robinhood, so i'm going to jump into these and um, the first one is Alisio therapeutics uh i haven't nailed down an IPO date, and I wouldn't be surprised if they just got postponed since a lot of people or a lot of companies seem to be postponing. The only thing interesting about this is that it's a low float and we haven't had any kind of super low float IPOs debut for a while. I think there's a whole segment of traders that like to focus on those and they're kind of looking for one to play now. Otherwise, it's just a clinical stage biotech focused on immunotherapies for cancer treatment. I generally would stay out of this. This was you know, 7 million shares or 13 million shares, I just say, forget it. But with three you know oh eight million shares, you got something that people might key in on. And it's worth watching, especially if we see a dip, people start like focusing on it. Someone will start hyping, you know, these, uh, there's at least a couple trading groups that like to pick up these shares and then go hype it throughout the day. And we see them run towards the end of the day. Um, don't hold this into day two is my advice if you do try to play it, but keep an eye on this one. It could be fun. Clarius International, we discussed this last week. This is a major like battery manufacturer. They do low voltage batteries for transportation, not necessarily EVs, but like batteries for boats, batteries for cars, these types of things. Apparently large institutional investors are really hot on this one. They have large positions. They're wanting to add more. Uh, They do have top line revenue growth. They have free cash flow. It's a very stable company. It has a huge float with 88 million shares. So I'm not sure how, you know, interested it will be in this but I don't see a huge downside and I do see a big upside, especially if it debuts without uh, a huge premium. So we're not sure exactly what day this will go live. It was supposed to go live last week. I've seen uh, indications that it would be today, but that seems very unlikely. I didn't see pricing for it and IPOs never, almost never go live on Monday. So keep an eye on this one though. We might see an opportunity to take some, I'd look for like maybe a $2 profit on this one. Um, just I just see after two points, people seem to shed their positions and then rebuild if it drops from there. The Better Being Company, I think people have heard of this one. They sell vitamins, supplements, minerals, and nutraceuticals. They so they have some retail brand recognition, have growing revenue, they do have operating profit. Uh, the float is not particularly high, and they've done fairly well during the pandemic. I'm not sure it's like going to be super hot. I think there are other more interesting plays this week. So I'd want to watch the ABU price and market conditions. If we did see a dip, maybe it's a, a little swing trade, like I talked about before. I'm not really convinced enough at this point to get excited about it or necessarily want to trade it, but I will watch it. It'll give you know a little bit of an indication on how IPOs are doing this week. And if it does really well, maybe I'm more excited about some of the other IPOs later in the week. I don't expect it to just blow up, though, because it's just vitamins and stuff. Cadre Holdings. Sorry. Yeah,
1: no, no. I said, okay.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, Cadre Holdings. A little bit of an interesting company to learn about. They, uh, they provide emergency equipment for first responders and they are profitable, but I guess COVID hurt their sales. There weren't so many big disasters that, you know, uh, first responders where first responders were required. It's a 55 year old company. So the fact that they're going, you know, public now, I don't quite understand it except that maybe they need to raise some money to uh, you know to, to carry them through the the downtimes of last year. And they have a pretty small float, just 7, you know, 0. 0.15 million shares. I'm not super excited about this one, but it's one of those ones where you keep an eye on it and if you have some kind of huge disaster uh, where first responders are just taking headlines again, this is one of those stocks that could jump pretty quickly. It's not a big float. It would be in the forefront of people's minds i mean i don't i don't think we're going to see something like september 11th but you just never know when there's going to be a big first responder event where this kind of thing you know we saw a few of those stocks during the you know the riots and the uh, you know the capital riots and other riots last year where some of those you know police uh, equipment companies spiked you know made huge spikes So this is the kind of company that you want to keep in mind for those kind of story plays in the future. European Wax Center, this company franchises out of home hair removal systems to salons and other kind of beautician places. It was very hard hit by covid. Not so many people were going out and getting their wax jobs, I guess. And I don't know if people changed their habits and they're kind of like, you know, learned to deal with this stuff on their own during that time. And I really don't know much about this. I shave my beard and that's about it. And at least what we need to talk about here. And I definitely don't go to salons for any of the other stuff. So um, I don't see this as a very interesting play. Um, 10 million shares, maybe other people know more about this, have a different take on it. But for me, it's not my, not anywhere close to my area of expertise. Okay, WCG Clinical, this one's pretty interesting to me because they handle clinical trials for drug companies and there's a ton of uh, biotech activity these days. Uh, They have growth, uh, they're near break even in their operating uh, profits. And this is the kind of company that institutional investors love. It's kind of the thing behind the thing when it comes to uh, clinical you know, biotech industries based on getting uh, clinical trials approved. They all have to go through the FDA process. This company handles it for them. They make it more efficient. They give them, you know, they offer a lot of insights and expertise and the float is pretty typical for a company of this size raising this kind of money. And we have seen, you know, where there haven't been a lot of big hyped uh, retail brand companies doing their IPOs. This kind of company has done pretty well, these institutional plays. So I do like this one and I'll probably give this one at least a, you know, a mid-sized play given that there's not a lot of activity elsewhere in the week here. Weber grills. This is the one we were talking about earlier. All right. America and the world has gotten really into grilling over the last year as restaurants and other places are closed and they are allowed to have their, um, you know, their outdoor parties at, you know, in their own backyards or, you know, with some neighbors. This is the leading grill manufacturer in the world with 24% of the global market. They did really well during lockdown with 62% revenue surge over the year. And the only real question here is, uh, I got that float wrong. Actually the float is 46 million shares. Sorry. That's a mistake there. Um, they have high brand recognition. The question for me really is, well, did people already all buy their, their grills and Are they going to buy more grills next year? I mean, where is this going forward? But that might not matter for the IPO day. Uh, Traeger, which did its IPO last week, it did all right last week. It IPO'd at 20, it debuted at 22. It peaked at about 2370, I think. And it's pretty much stayed above 22 the whole time. So there was almost no downside to it. It's definitely a lesser known brand. And, uh, you know, Weber... Is a really well-known brand. I mean, if you ask somebody, oh, who, who, who makes uh, barbecue grills? I think Weber is the first name that most people mm-hmm. come to mind after, you know, Form, George Foreman, maybe. But in terms of serious grills, Weber is the brand. Uh, the float is a little high, but I think that'll be all right. I think enough people will like this that it's not going to crash out of the debut. If it does, I would be comfortable doubling down. And um, as far as brand name recognition, you can hardly ask for more. Okay, yeah, another one that uh, is one of those companies you don't really know about as a retail investor, but institutions probably like this kind of play. It's called healthcare royalty, and they do exactly what it sounds like they do. Uh, they acquire royalty positions with you know within the healthcare industry on anything from uh, healthcare equipment to uh, pharmaceuticals. They basically help fund you know or buy uh, the development of these drugs or these treatments or these, uh, this equipment. And in return for that, they acquire the, you know, royalties from the ongoing sale of these, you know, of these healthcare items. Uh, the Royal re- royalty receipts were up 60% in 2020. So that's even, you know, when you, th- it, 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 I had some exposure before to the music industry and how royalties work there. And I know that, uh, where con- when content got you know, crazy hot people who own royalties made a ton of money. And when I see biotech and healthcare getting as hot as it is right now, those who, you know, create the and manufacture, you know, the items, that's great. But what you really want is you want to have your hand in the pocket, uh, you know, or in the pot where everyone's dumping their money. And this is just one of those plays that to me, institutions like this kind of investment, they like being in the money position, that's great opportunity for investment you're not even really i mean you're kind of insulated from the risks that other biotechs have which is kind of a make it or break it business model where either your drug gets approved and you're going to make millions or your drug fails and you know your company is basically worth nothing at that point um this company is kind of like buying up just the rights to you know to the possibility of making money across enough assets that they're insured that uh, some of their assets are going to create value in the long term. And even though the floats rather high, we've seen, like I said, we've seen a lot of these institutional plays do well. So for me, maybe it's not that exciting. It's not going to do, you know, two weeks ago, I kind of said, ah, eh, institutional boring, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it does. And I was wrong twice in a row. So now I'm going to at least start paying attention to these, uh, continue to take notes and at some point, if I see, keep seeing, you know, win opportunities that I've sat on the sideline for. I might start realizing that I need to adjust my strategy a little bit to take advantage of these opportunities. The last one I have on the list for today, and I'm sure that we're going to see some shakeup during the week, so stay tuned. I'll send out some updates when I see uh, the calendars get a little bit more confirmed is Aspire Global. This company we reviewed last week, their IPO got rescheduled for this week. Uh, one of the reasons people keep asking me about this one is that it's a Webull offering or Click IPO offering. So you're going to see retail, uh, a retail allocation. They do OEM for vaping products that are manufactured in China, but then sold mainly in America and Canada. Reportedly, uh, the U.S. regulators have put a pause on all Chinese base stocks uh, on the IPOs. So. Wouldn't surprise me if this one gets delayed again. I don't know if they'll say, well, they manufacture in China, but their market is in America. So we're going to let them through. Uh, RLX, which is the Chinese, the leading kind of Chinese brand for the Chinese market in vapes. They did really well off their debut. But after that, China cracked down and the stock has really crashed since then. So probably don't like the downside potential on this one if it even does go live. And I think I would sit this one out, but just given the political economic climate between China and us relations, I want to watch this one. If it does go live, uh, it's just every Chinese IPO at this point that does squeak through is a little bit of a, or is, a is a barometer on what the, what the bigger um, situation and, and the dialogue between the two countries is so.
1: All right, Matt Hammond uh, runs IPO Warriors. The link is on the screen, ipowarriors.com. You can go there, subscribe to his newsletter. He joins us every Monday to preview all the comings and goings in IPO land and recap the prior week. Uh, as I will well. be, I'll, I'll be sending out a newsletter uh, probably tomorrow because I
0: want to see out how, how things shake out a little bit today on the calendar, but I'll be right. recapping and, and adding any new ones to the newsletter that goes out tomorrow. So go right. to like Spencer said. Sign up for the newsletter get the updates when they
1: come. Very few uh, people I have found that approach IPOs from the perspective of, of a quick day trade, like Matt uh, often does. Uh, and I think there's there's value there. So thanks a lot, Matt. We'll talk to you again next week. Good luck. Thank you very much, Spencer. Have a good week. Right. Uh, and real quick on a programming note, and this is the same thing last week as well. Uh, YouTube is being really weird for us right now, and it's not letting us redirect you to the next show. So David Green's about to start. If he hasn't already started, but here's what I'm going to do. The link to find David Green is in the description of this video. And I'm also going to spam it in chat right now. Okay. There is the link. Oh, that's not it. Um, one second. Uh, here is the link to get to live trading with David Green, which is starting right now uh, here on our channel. There it is. It's in chat. You, again, it's in the description or just go to youtube.com slash Benzinga to find it because for whatever reason, we're not allowed to redirect you. I don't know why. So there was the link, okay? Find David Green coming up next. That's gonna be a wrap for us here this morning. Didn't even mention the infrastructure bill. I know infrastructure stocks are trading higher today. So sorry, I kind of missed that one. Uh, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to both our guests, Tim and Matt.
4: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,